the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. tsunami of 
of information. Most of that information is not really very important to us. And so we have to sort out of all the information that flows past us, to us. I mean, I don't know about you, but I have hundreds of emails that have no bearing on the work of the gospel or the salvation of souls. And I just move them on. I don't have time. So we're all very selective. Now the question is, as we're selective about the information necessary to us, how do we decide what information is vital? Most of the information that would concern your finances you'll pay attention to or your health you'll probably pay attention to but somehow we get cocooned in the information that we think we need and we blot out all of the other information we don't listen to it and so if I come today and I say to you God loves you. He wants very much to redeem you. Most responses will be, what's new? That's what you always say about God. He's he's loving and he's kind and he's redemptive. And so we yawn and we go on with our life. But that question in the opening song today is vital. Have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb so that you are clean before God? Have you been washed in the blood of Jesus so that no longer are you idolatrous? No longer are you a fornicator? No longer are you walking in any known sin? If the answer is, no, I'm... I'm fine. I'm fine. Jesus loves me. Then you're living in la-la land. There has to come a place of utmost sobriety where we stop drinking all of the information of our day along with all the entertainment and wickedness of our day and finally settle on what is the true issue before us. And I'll give you a passage of scripture that I think is of absolute, utmost importance that we understand. It's found in Matthew 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee. And I'm Alexandra Greenlee. We welcome you to this broadcast today, but we come very sober. 
not in any way drunk on the fluff you'll hear most of the time not any way not any way focused on the foolishness of this world we're very sober and serious because Jesus did not say go and ask everyone in the world if they would be willing to accept me it's not what Jesus said He said, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go and tell the people that they're going to have to die and be crucified. Go and tell them they're to be made into disciples, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So if in your mind, The Christian faith is just a part of the milieu of comfortableness in the American lifestyle. And you have added the church, the sinning Christian church, to your wonderful lifestyle. You have no part in what Jesus is talking about here. This is the gospel commission to every man and every woman, every boy and every girl who has been discipled, who has been crucified, who has been washed in the blood, and who now walks in holiness before God. Now yesterday we spoke about the Lord God of heaven coming to Moses as he was out in the desert on the far side of the mountain away from all of the foolishness of Egypt. There God came and met him in the burning bush, in the Shekinah glory of God. And there God spoke with him. So please don't just blow off what I'm going to say. God is always redemptive. But you can say no to that redemption by your casualness and by your desire to continue walking in your sin. You want to continue your cigars. You want to continue your entertainment. You want to continue your football. You want to continue all of the things that make your lifestyle. Then you cannot have Jesus. So don't think my saying, God comes as a redeemer, is cheap. It's very expensive. I just wanted to jump in on this last part of what you read out of Matthew 28. Jesus said, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So if we just read through the Gospels, you find there are a lot of commands of Jesus. For example, he said, no one can serve two masters. He said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Not that we literally would actually cut off our hand, but the sense is that we hate sin and won't do it he said don't give that which is holy to the dogs probably a lot of you have never even heard a sermon on that subject you've not been taught what that actually means and how that's something you're supposed to obey so this is a subject of reflection for those of us who are christians but there is a paucity of teaching unfortunately by many pastors and so 
it's just easy for us to read these things of Jesus and think that it's advice, but it's not advice. It's not suggestions. What we, what we read Jesus saying, the words in red that we see in the Gospels, those are commands. And we're not just supposed to read it, but we're supposed to obey it. So this is a subject of reflection that I encourage you as you're reading through the Gospels to pray and to ask the Holy Spirit, you know, don't just skip over something if you don't understand it. But actually ask the Holy Spirit what that means and do some, you know, due diligence and looking up commentary and sermons on the subject. So we're going to talk again today about about Moses and about the redemptive call to him. But I want to say before we get into it, notice as we walk through this redemptive call to Moses to go deliver the children of Israel in the new covenant. Every person is commanded to be Moses to this age. Now, Jesus is the second Moses, but he went to heaven and sent, he said, the Holy Spirit, and that we were the ones who were to go out and make disciples, baptizing them. That's not for the preacher, that's for you if you are a real Christian. So let's go to the story. Yes, so we're picking up, this is again Exodus chapter 3. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land, and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Notice the completeness of this statement. First, the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. So God saw it. Second, I have heard their cry. He heard, he saw and he heard by reason of their taskmasters. Third, I know their sorrows. So God saw, he heard, and he knew. So what's his response? Fourth, I am come down to deliver them. Fifth, out of the hand of the Egyptians. Sixth, and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land. Seventh, unto a land, unto a good land and large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Secondly, observe the definiteness and positiveness of Jehovah's assertions. There was no perhaps or maybe. It was not an invitation or an offer that was made to Israel. Instead, it was an emphatic declaration of what the Lord would do. He said, I am come down to deliver. This is true today. The gospel goes forth on no uncertain errand. God's word shall not return to him void, but it shall accomplish that which he pleases, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto he sends it. Isaiah fifty-five eleven. Finally, admire the blessed archetypal picture here. It's a prophetic picture of the divine incarnation of Jesus Christ. First, the divine compassion which prompted the unspeakable gift is found in this passage of Exodus. God says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. 
God contemplated the wretched condition of sinners. He heard, he saw, he knew, and he saw their need of deliverance. Then second was the incarnation itself. I am come down. This is what happened 1,500 years later when Jehovah Jesus left his father's house and came down to these scenes of sin and suffering. Third, the purpose of the incarnation to deliver his people and bring them up out of that land which symbolizes the world. Fourth, the beneficent design of the incarnation to bring them into a good land and large unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Today that means to bring us onto resurrection ground where we live a new life in Christ where everything, it's like it says in Corinthians, the old man has passed away and all things are become new. That's what it means to enter this promised land. And in that place, everything is there to satisfy and rejoice the heart that is set on loving God. So God continues in Exodus 3.10, Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Notice the word now. God had chosen the time for this deliverance. It was not Moses' business to try to hurry God, but rather to wait on him and for him. For many long years, the groans and cries of the distressed Hebrews had gone up, but the heavens were silent. Forty years previously, Moses had become impatient at the delay and thought to take matters into his own hands, only to discover that the time for deliverance was not yet ripe. Now, on the other hand, we also know Moses could have taken a different approach. Instead of just going out and killing this Egyptian, he could have prayed and cried out to God and asked for direction and asked for power at that time, but he did not. So, what happened? God says now is the time. You'll remember in Genesis fifteen thirteen, he told Abraham that the people of God would be enslaved for 400 years. Well, now the 400 years had run their course, and it meant that the hour for divine intervention had struck. God was not going to delay any longer. Now was the time for God to deal with the haughty oppressor of his people. Now the children of Israel would be in a condition to appreciate the promised inheritance. The pleasant pastures of Goshen and the carnal attractions of Egypt had no doubt quelled all longings for Canaan. But now that they had spent all this time in slavery and in suffering, their afflictions were so unbearable that the land flowing with milk and honey would be a pleasing prospect. So now that the time for deliverance has arrived, what is the method of God's intervention? A captive people is to be emancipated. A nation of slaves is to be liberated. What then is the first move toward this? Had God so chosen, he could have sent forth his angels and in a single night destroyed all the Egyptians. Had he so pleased, he could have appeared before the Hebrews in person and brought them out of their house of bondage. But this was not his way. Instead, he appointed a human ministry 
to effect a divine salvation. To Moses he said, I will send thee, that thou mayest bring forth my people out of Egypt. This is the same for ourselves. God's way then is God's way now. Human instrumentality is the means he most commonly employs in bringing sinners from bondage to liberty, from death to life. So in other words, the people of Israel were not to expect that God would somehow sovereignly intervene without him picking and sending someone. He chose to pick and send Moses. And likewise today, the lost are to be saved, to be brought into the church through men and women who are empowered by the Spirit and sent out. It's not a mysterious moving of God that happens outside of us that we don't do anything and God is going to save his elect whether we do anything or not. No, he uses men and women who are devoted to the gospel commission. So Exodus 3 verse 10 continues, Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. What then is the response of our patriarch Moses? Surely he will bow in worship before the great I am at being so highly honored. Surely he will ask in fullest submission, Lord, what would thou have me do? But that's not how Moses replied. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Verse 11. Moses at 80 was not so eager as he had been at 40. The solitude in the desert with the sheep had sobered him. He had been tamed. He saw difficulties in himself and in the people and in his task. He had already tried once and failed. And now for long years he had been out of touch with his people. But while all this was true, it was God who now called him to this work. And God makes no mistakes. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? This brings out a principle in connection with divine service, which is strikingly illustrated in Luke chapter 9. There we read in verse 57, And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. In response, our Lord said, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has not where to lay his head. Then we read, And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. The principle is this, when the will of man acts in self-appointed service, he does not feel the difficulties in the way. But when there is a true call from God, these are felt. Thus it was with Moses, when he went forth in the energy of his flesh, Exodus 2.11, he was full of confidence in the success of his mission. I had to leave the studio for just a minute to take a phone call, Alexandra, uh, from our producer. Art is on the telephone, and he would like us to pray for him. Art, are you there? 
Hello, Art, are you there? Yes, I am. Good. How can we pray for you? Um, I want the Holy Spirit to take total control of my body. I've been serving the Lord for years and years and years, but I still have some sins in my life. Uh, I've been smoking cigars. I still drink a little, you know, because I've been having some pains and stuff like that for a while. I started back smoking uh, marijuana. And uh, I just listened to the podcast, uh, this one here, the Holy Spirit takes possession. And uh, I, I know that uh, this is something that uh, I've been asking God to do to, to, to help me just be totally 100% clean. But uh, I know he's been telling me that uh, I haven't been ready. Because uh, every time that I've been praying, him about it uh, I go right back uh, later on in my life and different times have done it and it's just this, this podcast today I tell you I get up in the morning <laughs> and for some reason out of all the different ones that I put going none of them none of them played until I got to this one and when I got to this one, I have to tell you that I know this is God just speaking to me. I don't know if it's a test, but what? I, don't, I want to be obedient. I want to be clean from inside out. Art, there's only one way to get clean inside out, and that's by repenting and you've loved your sin and part of your confession is going to have to be I've loved my sin and I've gone back to it oh God cause me to hate my sin and he will come and he'll put hatred in your heart for that sin we're responsible to go get our new heart by bringing these sins into his presence and saying Lord I'm going to hell. I'm not a Christian because Christians don't sin like this. And so I need to turn away from this and by your power and by your blood, I'll turn away. The Holy Spirit will never come and dwell in an unclean vessel. But more than that, there also has to be, you know, the two conditions are to repent and to believe. So the second part of that is to really totally be giving yourself to Jesus. And it's only when we completely take our hands off our life that that victory over sin, it becomes easy. It's not a struggle anymore. You're completely free. Um, but that won't happen if you try to get rid of your sin but still hold on to your life at the same time. So let's pray. Would you pray first, Art? Heavenly Father, Come before your presence, Lord, in awe of your love. Lord, you said that you know every hair on our head. You gave your only begotten Son, and you say to every price. Lord God, if I look back on my life, Lord, I stumbled on the road. I've had all the 
the time to understand your word and study your word. And yet, Lord, I, I fail within myself. If your love has been unfailing, I ask you to come in right now, Lord. You say with two or three or more gathered in your name, you'll be in the midst. Lord, you want me here. Our reason to serve you and to serve you with my whole heart. Lord, you bless this ministry, Father God, with the wisdom and guidance, Father God, to take the time to share. Lord, I'm at this point right now. It would have made this call. I knew this was done on April 24th, and today is May 22nd. I repent, Lord. I repent, and I offer myself for true repentance. Your word says, or because of repentance, doesn't mean that it's automatically accepted. I'm asking you, Lord, to, to bless me, Lord, with true repentance so that I can open to you. That you get the glory, Lord. Not because yes, I need it, Lord. But as the message said, all these areas and towns all are around us. And yet, the work that we think that we've done, we have to be described as perfect. I'm a willing vessel to sit around doing nothing about it. Today, I need that change. According to your word, you said if I ask anything, you said I have never asked anything according to your word in your son Jesus Christ's name. I'm asking you in your son Jesus Christ's name that you grant me true repentance in my heart, Lord, because it helps you. I can't do this myself. I ask you, God, that for everyone that called in and just struggle in the same way, Lord. I lift ourselves up to you today. And I ask you, Lord, that you take away and make me hate the weed, the alcohol, the, the smoky, Lord, the alcohol, the, the anger that's in me, Lord. The scars of me not to walk in your way and I allow the Holy Spirit to fully indwell me. If they cannot live in me with the sin, I ask, Lord, that that be removed in the name of Jesus Christ. I repent, Lord, and help me, Lord, through the help of the Holy Spirit, Lord, to be true. This because Father God helped me to pass it. Every day, Lord, when I read your word, you need to tell me I can't do it alone. I'm in 100% dependency of you. You're everything to you, God. I have my Lord out here that needs to know you. It knows that her dad is going to bring you up, not hiding anything. Be it true and open, 
inkling. I ask you today, Lord, to find a life. My body is a great vessel. In your son, Jesus Christ's name. And I ask you, God, Lord, that you would do it for everyone who's, who's listened to Father God and who was obedient enough to make the call. We're just struggling, Lord. <laughs> we need you. We can't do it alone. We have victory in you. I pray today that evidence in my life going forward, not looking back, going forward and believing in my heart that I have true repentance and I hate my sins. If Jesus made my prayer. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would forgive Art for having so many years been a hearer of your word but not a doer of it. Lord, I ask that you'd forgive him for the many years of his life that he could have been living a clean, righteous life and bearing witness for you. And instead, he's been he's been pulling down the holiness and integrity of your name by his lifestyle. Lord, I ask that he would now, by the power of your spirit, that your grace would be present for him to fully enter into your kingdom. Lord, I agree in his prayer, Lord, that if there's any other confession needed, Lord, if there's an incomplete repentance, Lord, I ask that his repentance would be complete because, Lord, we know that he will then be born again by your spirit, that he'll be a new person. And, Lord, I ask that he would then be quickly baptized in the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would come and you would dwell in him, even as you came on the day of Pentecost to the disciples, to the men and the women and the children who were there. Lord, so that he would be a trophy of your grace and that the people who've known him for so long would see him and say, I can't even believe you're the same person. You've changed so much. Only God could do this. Lord, I thank you for his courage to call in and his humility. Lord, we love you, and we pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, let your work be done in Art's heart now. Let the repentance be complete. Lord, if there is anything remaining, would you deal with him honestly, causing him to weep before you until it is finished? And Lord, would you come in the mighty power of your Holy Spirit by the blood of Jesus and wash him and make him clean? And then would you bring him into this baptism of the Holy Spirit where he will walk holy from this day forward, washed by your blood in the fullness of power to be your servant, to bear witness. Lord, I thank you. Would you bless art today in the name of Jesus Christ and make him one of your true disciples. I pray in your mighty name. Amen. Art, God bless you. God bless you all. Thank you. You're entering into the school of the Holy Spirit. Trust him and cry aloud to him. God bless you. We'll talk to you again. Let me know 
call and let us know what Jesus is saying to you and if you're walking clean or if you're walking unclean. Okay, God bless you. God bless you, thank you. Well, our phone number in studio is 877-534-0780. We'd be happy to take your call. Thank you again, Brother Art, for calling. That's 877-534-0780. And Art's been listening to some of the podcasts about the Holy Spirit entering. And the Holy Spirit came and began to enter convicting him of his sin the Lord's heart is to redeem it's to save but we've got to get real with him and we've got to deal honestly about our real condition our real sin you can't enter into Jesus with filthy sin in your heart you've got to be broken and washed you've got to be forgiven 877 Five three four zero seven eight zero. If you'd like to call, call right now. And then, if you don't call, we're going to go on with the broadcast as Jesus has outlined it for us. I'm going to stop in just a moment and ask Brother Kevin if there are any other calls coming in. Okay, no other calls. I want to come back to a point you were making that seems to me to be of vital importance, Alexandra. And that is that God could sovereignly moved over the hearts and lives of people. He could have sovereignly delivered Israel without Moses. He could have gone in and one night and killed all the Egyptians. But he doesn't operate that way. He wants to operate through men and women, boys and girls. And so today, Art was listening to the to the program that God has moved us to produce. So he used this instrumentality to bring conviction. This is God's way. He wants to use you, but he can't use you if you're walking in sin and rebellion against him and feasting on the things of darkness and and filling your mind and your heart with the television and with the internet and with the YouTube videos and with the video games and on and on and on. This is all of darkness. It's not of light. It's not what Jesus is calling for. So he wants to use you. The other point I wanted to hone in on, and again, we're drawing from A.W. Pink's Gleanings in Exodus, The other point I wanted to hone in on is sometimes in when we're first born again, we don't see the difficulties that face that face us if we are going to be ministers of the gospel. And so, you know, you get really zealous new converts of which I was one who you just go out and you talk to everybody about Jesus and you're like, of course, if they just hear, then they'll believe, you know, it just seems so simple. And then you quickly discover that that's not the case. So I like his point here that it's when we recognize that we need the power of God that then we're now in a place to actually receive that power. 
So my fear for some of you is that as we've been sharing about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is I'm afraid that some of you listening are saying, oh yeah, of course, I, I, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was converted. Well, that's not the case. No one in history has ever been baptized in the Holy Spirit at the same time they were converted. Um, and this troubles me because there's large national teachers who teach that you get everything you're ever going to get when you're born again and that's it. And that's a huge discouragement from actually seeking the power necessary to literally snatch sinners out of the fire. I can't raise the dead... All right? It's really obvious if we just think about it that we did not get everything at conversion. And it's very clear that if you say, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you continue to walk in sin and enjoy the way of the world, and if you say, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I speak in tongues, but I don't have any production, I don't have any souls saved, I don't have a crowd I'm taking to heaven, then you've been utterly deceived. You've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You've been baptized in the happy spirit, in the selfish spirit, in the ecstatic experience spirit. I'm not interested in any of those. I'm interested in the Holy Spirit, in the spirit of power and victory over sin and darkness and the power to go out and speak to vital, wonderful people that God wants to save, but they're headed to hell. So Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? So this is good. Moses recognizes that he can't do it. But then the Lord graciously encourages him by promising to be with him and assuring him of the ultimate success of his mission. And the Lord said, Certainly, I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. So this is the same promise that we read at the beginning of the broadcast in Matthew 28, where Jesus said, I will be with you, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. So it's God as an actual person person going with us and working with us to bring the miracles the conviction the signs the wonders the the feeling that you can't do anything except drop everything you're doing and get right with god that's something that only god can do but he's promised to go with us now this was very comforting to moses that god was not asking him to go alone but the almighty God of heaven would accompany him. And this is still the divine promise to each divinely called servant, to each Christian who will take up as their life calling the Great Commission. Sure, certainly the apostle, apostles must have felt much like Moses when the risen Savior commissioned them to go and preach the gospel to every creature. They might have said, who am I that I should go? But Jesus said, lo, I am with you always. And if you have been called by the Lord to some specific task and you feel utterly insufficient, rest on that promise that Jesus said, certainly 
I will be with you. When we think of what is involved in bringing a soul out of darkness into light, when we encounter the fierce opposition of the devil, when we face the frowns and sneers and mocking of the world, it's little wonder that we hesitate and ask who is sufficient for these things. But take courage and remember the unfailing promise, certainly I will be with thee. And Moses said to God, Behold, when I come to the children of Israel and shall say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Let us not be too quick to condemn Moses here. This was not a small difficulty for Moses, because there would be no visible presence of God to accompany him. He was to go alone to the enslaved Hebrews and present himself as the divinely sent deliverer. He was to tell them that the God of their fathers had promised to free them. But as we shall see later, this was not likely to make much impression upon a people who were most of them sunk in the idolatries of the Egyptians. Moses felt that they would quickly want to know, Who is this God? What is his character? Prove to us that he's worthy of our confidence. And this same difficulty arises before us today as Christians who are trying to win souls. We go forth to tell lost sinners of a God they have never seen. In his name, we urge them to trust. But, we can't, but cannot we anticipate their response? Show us the Father and it sufficeth us is still in substance the demand of the doubting heart. Moses felt this difficulty, and so do we. And that's why we have this incredible story in the book of Acts. Let me read it for you. It's very familiar, but it's vital that we get a hold of this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So literally, the Holy Spirit came with Shekinah glory over each of these people. Now it's not one man, Moses, going to save the children of Israel. It's now every Christian must be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit to have the power to go out on Shekinah glory to go out and speak to the lost in our families where we work. I mean, we keep going back to that one young woman well, she's 16 years old, who at the revival, she was filled with the Spirit and went out and that afternoon spoke with 70 friends who became Christians before they had no interest. We're at a place where we have to recognize we are powerless against this wicked age. Now, I've battled this my whole ministry many, many years. And I have very little to show for it. Well, we can fill 
programs and we can set up institutions and we can do this and we can do that. I'm talking about the raw bringing of men and women as disciples who walk away from their sin and are washed and made clean. I praise God for Art. I praise God for Chuck. I praise God for others who, listening to this broadcast, have done this. But, oh, we want to see a great revival break out over this radio broadcast in Washington, D.C. We want to see God step down out of heaven and grab a hold of Washington and turn it upside down and shake it and bring revival and cause men and women to get on their faces and weep before God and deal with those pet sins they've been carrying while calling themselves Christians, including pastors. We need a time of repentance in this city, of being washed and made clean by the blood. That's what we're praying for. Yes, and I just want to return to this. The key of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that it is power for service. And I meet many Christians, myself included, who are in great despair because their family members refuse to come to Jesus. They're stubborn. They don't want to hear about the gospel. They say, leave me alone. They're scornful. I mean, it's, it's, and they pretty much just give up in despair. And what is needed is the power so that there's finally the presence and power of God to bring a true spirit of conviction on that person. That's not a guarantee 100% that they'll be saved, but at least there's been this coming down of God from heaven so that God has visited them and they have had just this golden, perfect, clear shot at heaven that they would not have had otherwise. So I wonder, where are you in all of this? Are you crying out for the Holy Spirit? Or are you still walking in bondage of sin? Are you still captivated by those little things, little to you but big to God, are you still smoking? Are you still drinking? Are you still doing drugs? Are you still playing those wicked, violent video games? Are you still going to the movies and feasting on the sports, the professional sports? And as one man said, that has nothing to do with my relationship to Jesus. Are you kidding me? It has everything to do with your relationship with Jesus. So where are you today? We only have a few minutes left in this broadcast. I encourage you to visit our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. That's nationalprayerchapel.com. You can listen to all of our past messages there. And we'll be, we will be on live again tomorrow from 1 to 2 o'clock. We would love for you to call in 
I'll give you the phone number if you want to write it down. It's 877-534-0780. You can call that phone number from 1 to 2 p.m. Wednesday or Thursday this week, we will be on air live, and you can go on the air. I also want to speak about something very necessary. In the church, I've always learned that when there's a need, you pass the offering plate, and God's people step forward and meet it. Well, right now, we're coming next week to the end of the month, and we are still $1,950 short of having the money to pay for this radio broadcast. Now, I'm asking, if you care about revival, and you care about this broadcast continuing on WAVA, will you help us? Would you write to us at the National Prayer Chapel, that's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. And I'm praying every time I go to the box that the Lord will fill the box so that we have to get the next size up, the bigger box. Now you're welcome also to go online to nationalprayerchapel.com and you can give online. Just click on the donate button and you can give online. I know that some have gotten angry at us because we're speaking about revival. It's all we know to speak about now. We need the power of God to come. So if you'd like to help us this month in this work of God, would you be prompt and would you be generous? We're out of time. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. And I'm Alexandra Greenley. I'm so happy that you joined us today. God bless you. We love you. We'll talk to you soon. Before the presence of his glory with great joy, with great joy to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs>